Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I read an article not too long about a woman who had died. And when they went into her home and sort of explored the environment in which she had lived at the end of her life, they found that she had completely insulated herself in an environment that was taken from 1964. She wore the clothing of 1964. Her kitchen utensils were 1964. She played radio broadcast and music from 1964. She only had the TV shows on her TV via uh, recording and DVR from 1964. Uh, All of her art was 1964. There was a picture of the president from 1964. Uh, You can imagine. She had Life and Look magazine on her coffee table. Uh, These magazines talked about the assassination of John F. Kennedy in late 1963, the landing of the Beatles in February of 1964. This woman had decided, for whatever reason, to completely live in a cocoon of 1964. Well, obviously, there's some degree of derangement there. Obviously, uh, there's an oddity about trying to arrest time and fix time at a certain period and not wanting to live in the flow of time to go on into the future and find out what it has for you. There's a kind of a fear in a sense. But uh, I think that this story of this woman, this fascinating story of this woman who uh, cocooned herself in 1964 is a warning for many of us because the reality is that in our modern technological world, we can live very much uh, isolated from reality, isolated from what's real, what's on the street, what's out there beyond our digital input. This woman who had who died in this cocoon of 1964, she wasn't walking the streets and really seeing people dressed that way. She wasn't going to Beatles concerts. She wasn't uh, watching real political broadcasts that talked about, uh, you know, JF, uh, LBJ and and what was going on with the government right there. She wasn't really in touch with. She wasn't listening to live radio broadcasts and really hearing the trends. Uh, and that's the way we can all be with the technology that we have. Studies are beginning to show that people are assuming that because they read it in a blog or they see it on a video on their computer screens or or they hear it from someone of authority who's speaking, um, that they are taken as reality and that they, in a sense, begin to weave it into their understanding of the world as though they've experienced it primarily. Now, there's a huge difference between what you read in a book, what you hear from a professor, what you watch uh, on a news show, particularly if that news show, by the way, is anchored by a comedian. Uh, there, uh, there's a huge difference between that and reality. And yet many people, and I want to say particularly the surveys show younger people, are, are assuming that they know what reality is because they've seen it online. And the reality is this is slanting us quite a bit. This is, uh, this is causing problems. I experienced this in my own life a bit. Uh, I had written about wars. I had taught about war. I had uh, an academic background that involved military history studies. Um, I had even uh, appeared, made appearances at uh, West Point and other places. Um, I grew up as a military brat, but when I was actually embedded with U.S. troops in Iraq in 2005, 
that's when I saw war as close to what it really is as I ever will. Um, I smelled it. I tasted it. I well, it was in a fire base that came under fire. I flew choppers over hot battlefields. I, I, I was, I was in as much engaged as it's possible for me to be as a man who's never actually served in uniform. And it changed the way I understood war. It changed what I understood about civilians and what, what soldiers actually go through and what Marines and airmen actually go through and what it's like to fly into fire uh, when you're a pilot. And I began to understand all kinds of things that I had never fully understood before because I hadn't actually experienced it. I had a friend once who was from another country and he'd studied in American universities and went to a university that was very, there's many of the faculty were very left-leaning, very sort of hate America kind of thing. And so the textbooks my friend read and the things he heard from his, his professors were very down on the United States, very negative about uh, the settlers and very negative about the rise of the U.S. and very negative about the just almost anything pertaining to American history. Well, my friend was always down on the U.S. It was a little offensive since he was from a foreign country, and I recognized he didn't know a lot of what he was talking about. He only knew what he'd heard from professors and books. But he decided he wanted to start a business, and he came to me and asked if, he, if I thought that business would work. After all, the United States very controlling. The government would probably steal his profits from him. You know, he probably would would find corrupt. Uh, you know, uh, all kinds of corruption working against him. And I told him that a lot of what he'd heard from his professors and read in his books was not accurate and that he should start his business. And I thought he would find a tremendous field of freedom for what he wanted to do. Well, he did start his business. He prospered exceedingly. And he eventually uh, made so much money that he retired early and left and went back to his native country. And he had to admit that what he had been told was not true. It's The point is not to point the finger at a certain philosophy in a, in a university. The point is to say that this man needed primary experience before he knew the truth, and his primary experience was much better information, much better feedback than he ever got uh, from books and from professors. Well, this is what's going on today. Many people will believe that what they read in a book, read in a blog, see in a video, hear in a class from a professor, that that is reality. And what we need to have, and that's why I'm calling this, um, titling this podcast the way that I am, in praise of authentic experience. Make a distinction in your life between what you know secondhand and what you know primarily. What is it that you only know pre-digested by other people? What is it that you only know coming through a blog, coming through a video, uh, coming through a podcast, from a book? Are you having primary experience or is your information of the world coming second hand? Uh, I will tell you that most of the racism in the world comes about through myth and through uh, bigoted books and posters and movies and uh, stuff that people circulate when they sit together and drink and tell each other about how bad a certain race or a certain gender or a certain ethnicity is. And the reality is they have almost no primary experience. I have sat with people who are incredibly bigoted and challenged them about what they believe. And the reality is they had very little experience. Time and again on television, we watch uh, where someone who is an extreme racist just finally has a relationship with someone who is the kind of person they used to hate. And everything changes. What was the problem? They lived in an insulated world. They lived in a racist cocoon. They didn't have primary 
information. And I think that this is really uh, making us weak. I think it's causing us not to develop the kind of uh, muscles, so to speak, muscles of mind, muscles of soul, maybe even muscles of body uh, that we need to be developing. I think that it is causing us to be one-dimensional and also, by the way, extremely open uh, to influence. I want to be controversial for a moment and tell you about an area that I think that uh, that uh, this kind of insulation uh, is is causing problems with men, for example. Um, I'm sure there's some value and some good to be done from online dating. I'm not down on it completely, dating services and what have you. Just you know, if you need it, get it. If that's something that helps you, but I will tell you uh, that that online dating is where is often where two people are presenting their brand. They're presenting um, their their polish. Uh, they are distilling themselves down to certain categories of information and then checking each other out only in terms of that information. Maybe they connect. Maybe it works. I Again, my point is not to comment on the whole of the industry, but I will tell you uh, that what it does is it does not have them in a real social situation. It has them online seeking out information digitally does not have them where they're living with real flesh and blood people. It does not have them having to sort of ferret through and think through members of the opposite sex and you know who's a good fit and who's not and trial and error and oh man that date didn't go well. I wonder why? Well that person's a certain kind of person. Well I should avoid that kind of person in the future or maybe I'm a certain kind of person and I didn't know that until I, I actually dated a person I thought might be a good fit. Do you see how that information, that that reality, that real experience Uh, not only strengthens us, broadens us, but makes us more mature and more capable of making decisions about who we might one day want to be with. So am I, please don't hear me saying I'm down on all uh, such dating aids, but I will tell you that in my observation, um, people who turn to online dating often are people who are trying to escape a real social situation where there's real thrust and parry and hurt and victories and happy things and laughter and failures and, and, and re-upping and re-engaging and all the normal things of human social life that make them better, make them stronger, give them information about themselves, maybe make them a bit more humble. Uh, I would say the same thing is true in religion. As you know, I write about religion a lot and deal with religious bigotry a lot and think about it and teach about it and take questions about it and write about religion and politics. And most of the religious bigotry I've ever seen uh, comes from people who have absolutely no real experience with the people of different religions. So we can, a Protestant can sit there and hate a Catholic until they've actually met a Catholic. Uh, a Christian can hate a Muslim until they've actually met a Muslim. Um, this is where much of the bigotry comes from. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to have authentic experience. To put it maybe in kind of goofy terms, have you just watched football or have you ever gotten out and actually played pickup football game on a on a brisk autumn afternoon and felt the ball fly through the air and felt what it's like to be slammed into and felt what a victory feels like and felt what defeat feels like? Is that you, know, you have real experience or are you having secondhand video experience? Are you really experiencing life? Are you really engaged in politics? Do you just have an intellectual assent to certain social problems? 
Uh, I'm very close to Native American issues, and I can't tell you the number of people who tell me how horrible it is, how the white man treated natives, and I couldn't agree more uh, at certain points in our history. But not one of these people who gripes about it has done much more than read a book. They haven't so much as sent a check to a Native American cause. They haven't so much as shown up at a reservation. They haven't so much as, as written a congressman expressing these concerns. It's all in the head. It's all intellectual. What's my concern? My concern is that we're going to live life in the matrix. My concern is that we're not going to have authentic life. My concern is that we're not going to have a store of real experience to pass on to the next generation. And we're going to continue to be disembodied spirits and minds, just gaining information from a digital network and not living in the real world. Let's live in praise of authentic experience and at least have the wisdom to know the difference between our digital input and the life that is real and that we're really living and gaining information from. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.